Innovation happens in the blink of an eye. And to understand the implications, you need a credible source that helps to make sense of it all. Stay up to date on the most pressing innovation issues shaping the world today by subscribing to Better Innovation, a podcast featuring top management strategists, policymakers, and leading innovation thought leaders from across the globe. Going into its sixth season, Better Innovation, hosted by Jeff Saviano, a global innovation leader with EY, delves into how innovative technologies like blockchain, artificial intelligence, digital currencies, and the promise of Web 3.0 are transforming the global landscape. Featuring elite guests like Jeremy Allaire, CEO of Circle Financial, authors Whitney Johnson and Rita McGrath, former U.S. Cabinet member Andrew Card, and a number of leading MIT scientists. Subscribe today and hear more from these distinguished guests. Subscribe to Better Innovation on your favorite podcast platform. G'day everyone, Lauren Kress, the business scientist here. Hope you're having a great week. Happy Wednesday. Today I'm sharing my interview that I recently did with Suzanne Chadwick. Suzanne is a bold business branding and speaker coach. She's also an author and she's a speaker herself. Uh, and she runs her own podcast. So doing lots of awesome things. And it turns out we're friends with lots of the same people. So it was so great to chat with Suze. Uh, we talk about brand psychology and really understanding what it is that makes people want to buy from you. So how do you attract your dream client? And Suze goes through sort of like eight foundational pillars in order to do that. So we talk through each one of those. If you want to find out more about Suzanne, head over to Instagram. That's where she likes to hang out. So you can find her at Suze Chadwick there. She's also on LinkedIn, which is where we did our live stream. And if you want to, as always, you can also check out these interviews on video on my YouTube channel as well. So it's youtube.com slash C slash Lauren Crest. Just before we get on to the main part of the episode, quick reminder that if you haven't had a chance yet to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or, you know, wherever you are, if you're on Spotify or Google, however you, you know, kind of make this show look good on whatever platform you listen to, please consider doing that. Really, really helps to support the show. It's a free way to help support the show. Uh, If you want to support me further, if you're like, this is great, this means I don't need a branding coach or a business coach. This has been so, so helpful. Instead of paying me thousands of dollars a month, uh, three bucks, three bucks or a cup of coffee on ko-fi.com. Just go to ko-fi.com forward slash Lauren Cress. Anything you can do there uh, really, really helps. All right. Uh, there might be a quick little ad break here and then we'll get on to my chat with Suze Chadwick. Innovation happens in the blink of an eye, and to understand the implications, you need a credible source that helps to make sense of it all. Stay up to date on the most pressing innovation issues shaping the world today by subscribing to Better Innovation, a podcast featuring top management strategists, policymakers, and leading innovation thought leaders from across the globe. Going into its sixth season, Better Innovation, hosted by Jeff Saviano, a global innovation leader with EY, delves into how innovative technologies like blockchain, artificial intelligence, digital currencies, and the promise of Web 3.0 are transforming the global landscape. Featuring elite guests like Jeremy Allaire, CEO of Circle Financial, authors Whitney Johnson and Rita McGrath, former U.S. Cabinet member Andrew Card, and a number of leading MIT scientists. Subscribe today and hear more from these distinguished guests. 
Subscribe to Better Innovation on your favorite podcast platform. Now on Mickey D's, when you buy any crispy chicken sandwich or quarter pounder with cheese, you'll get a free medium fry and free medium drink when you order on the app. So do you have the app? How are you going to get this deal if you don't have the app? I know you have a phone. Anywho, if you have the app, enjoy your free fries and drink. If you don't, you can't see me. But know that I'm shaking my head. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Limited time only. I participate in McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. G'day, everyone. Lauren Cress, the business scientist here. Happy Wednesday. It's Wednesday, right? Wow, how did that happen? So excited about my guest today and really, really excited about the topic we're talking about. So Suze Chadwick is joining me and we're talking about brand psychology and how to attract your dream client. So Suze, tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Well, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Look at us live streaming. Uh, <laughs> we're so fancy. Uh, so, hi there. I'm Suze Chadwick uh, and I'm the founder of the Connection Exchange, but you can find me at suzechadwick.com and I am a bold branding business and speaker coach. Yes, it is a mouthful, but I do like it. Uh, and so I work with women in business to help them build confidently bold brands And I also work with executives and women in business to help them to really articulate what they want to say, how they say it, how they stand out, those sorts of things too. So I'm all about branding and I love it. I'm a bit obsessed with it, if I'm honest. So I am excited about our chat today as well. Well, you're on the right show because this is called Grow Your Brand. So we love speaking with people who know about brand and branding. Um, I'm trying to think of where to start, but I think probably the best place to start is like, how do you, know, well, actually, no, sorry. I had two thoughts in my head. I want, I want to ask you for people who are kind of like, okay, but what's brand and what's branding and what's that got to do with speaking and what's, it, how do you define brand? Yes. So I always look, because I'm a business coach as well, and I talk about branding, that's my main thing that I talk about, is that business is the nuts and bolts of how you create a business, earn money, products and services, you know, customer journey, all that sort of stuff. And brand is the invitation to an emotional connection. So when I think about brand, it's like that thing that you can't explain, that you feel when you buy something or you engage with somebody or you're just, you know, in that kind of sphere. It's like when you walk into like Chanel and you have a feeling or you purchase your favorite product or service. It's like when people are really fanatical about Apple. It's sometimes not the product. It's what the product says about me. And we're going to talk about this as well in the brand psychology and it's the extension of our identity. But brand is really about all the bits and pieces that make you choose that particular product, service or person. Yeah, I love that you brought identity into this. And quick shout out to Nelson who said good evening from Brazil. Hi, Nelson. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for saying hello. Uh, And as people are listening and watching, you know, as always, ask your questions. I will ask Suze and... um, don't make them too, no, make them as curly as you want. <laughs> and Nelson, lovely to see you. My maiden name was Garcia. So I used to be Susie Garcia. So oh, I feel know. a bit nostalgic seeing your name come up there. I'm like, oh, Garcia. <laughs> Small world. Well, um, okay. So before we get into this sort of, because I know there's a few different things we're going to talk about in terms of, you know, 
how how this works, how the machine of brand psychology works. Um, tell me a little bit more about identity and feeling because I think that's a really interesting point to bring up and one that doesn't get brought up, I think, enough is like people talk about brand and I often do this as well. I'll say like brand is your reputation, you know, it's about how you're how you're known in market. You can't uh, you know, decide whether or not you have a brand, your audience kind of decides that for you, but you can influence it, right? So tell me a little bit more about what you mean when it comes to how people identify with that and connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are in the branding space, you will know Marty Newmeyer, who is like the godfather of branding. And he wrote Brand Flip and Brand Gap. And I love what he talks about. And he really talks about the fact that we don't actually buy products, we buy communities, transformations and extensions of our own identity. So for example, you could buy a car. You could buy any car. You just need to get from A to B. But whether you buy a Mazda or whether you buy a Mercedes says something about who you are, what you want for yourself, how you want to be perceived by others. And so you could choose to spend $20,000 on a car or you could choose to spend $120,000 on a car. And I can tell you now the difference of, of that hundred grand is all about you and your identity. Yeah, it's about how you want to position yourself and what you believe is you know, in line with who you are and where you want to be and, and how you want to stand out and those sorts of things. So we buy things that are really an extension of our identity. I always talk about the fact that I buy Gorman and that's because for me it's artists who are printed on fabric and so I am a walking piece of unique art every time I put on a Gorman piece of clothing. And so to me, that's part of my identity because I want to stand out and I want to be different. And I love like the visual elements of it. Like you're looking at some of my office, the rest of my office is covered in artwork. Yeah. And that's because it gives me energy and it's what I love. And so I always joke around and say, they are the only business that can send me an email a day and I don't unsubscribe. Now there's something more than product when it comes to that decision that I make. Mm. Yeah, really interesting, actually. I was just thinking as you were saying that too, like what's your thoughts on that in, in relation to personal brand? So when it comes to connecting with a personal brand, what is it that we're connecting with there? Yeah, once again, it is actually, we buy what we want to be, do and have. So for example, if I see some somebody, like so let's say Brené Brown, because I just love her um, and... <laughs> Yeah, she's amazing. But this is the whole thing, yeah. She is really unique. She's different. She's funny. She's an amazing storyteller. She's really, all of her research is really embedded in, you know, uh, like research. Like she does the work that shows you where this comes from. Where does that philosophy, information, research, like where does it come from? So she's got credibility. And so for me, she's somebody who, her brand is really authentic and it's really credible and it's really funny. And so all of those things makes me want to be around her. And that's because to me, like quantifiable research is important, but somebody who's quite funny and a storyteller is also important, somebody who's warm and friendly. And so I identify with her because those things that she stands for, they're important to me. And so there's a values alignment there. So when we talk about personal brand, you will find that you gravitate towards somebody who either you 
really identify on a values-based level. Otherwise, you want to be more like them. Otherwise, you want to achieve what they've achieved. So those are the sorts of things that we make decisions on and why we're drawn to certain people. Yeah, I think this is so, so important. And especially at the moment, right? Because what I'm seeing a lot of is like people wanting to get into coaching space, wanting to get into consulting space. And they're like, they focus a lot on delivery. So it's like, this is my program. This is what it looks like. This is what I do. And one of the conversations that I find myself having a lot with people who are in that kind of space are very much engineers in that sense. It's like, great, they have all this value that you want to deliver. But like, people don't know who you are. And also, do people want to be like you? I mean, that is such an important part of this, right? Like, does someone look up to you and go, I want to be like you? Like how I work out whether or not, because I've had lots of different consultants and coaches that I've worked with as my business has kind of grown. I'm like, and even with people who I want to interview, I'm like, do I want to be like that person? Does that person have values that resonate with me? Are we going to get along? You know, all of those things are so important, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing is, is that, you know, we don't have to want to be exactly like that person, but there has to be something that really speaks to us about them as well. So for example, I always say that, you know, what bold branding means to me is actually not the pink and the colorful and the, you know, Gorman and all the rest of it. You can be beige and bold. You can be baby blue and bold. Chanel is the top of their field. They're black and white. So it's not about you being like me, but it's about us having the same philosophy or ideas around the fact that I believe that to build a bold brand, you are making a decision to break the mold in your industry, that you're deciding to do something different. And so on that level, you want that. So it's not that you maybe want to look and be like me, but it's that we have the same philosophy on what it is that you want for your life, your business, whatever it is that you do. And so I think that that really speaks to people as well. And so really understanding, you know, what it is that you're building or talking about. So building that desire that meets a specific need, problem, or speaks to somebody, I think is really important. And I don't think a lot of people spend enough time actually identifying what that is. Well, let's talk a little bit about this because today we're talking about brand psychology. So I'm really interested in how what your system kind of looks like in relation to how people can learn how they attract their dream clients. So can you sort of talk me through, or talk not just me through, everyone through. <laughs> what that looks like together yeah absolutely so there are some key things and I kind of have built this myself through my own research and reading and working with clients and you know so these are some of the things that I really see as important there's eight key things that I love to talk about when it comes to brand psychology they may not be the only things but they're the things that I think are a good starting point and so the first one is really about curiosity curiosity and captivation and so really understanding what makes you unique and really capitalizing on that to create curiosity and captivate your ideal client I think is something worth spending some time on so I'll give you an example so I saw um, Deborah Francis White who is the guilty feminist she's got a podcast she was on the project um, and so now I listen to her podcast and now I'm looking at her book and she's really different because she takes a really serious subject and she educates people on it but she's really funny and she's super sarcastic and she's British and I lived in the UK for like eight years and so there's a bit of a you know and so for me she's really interesting yeah so I'm sure that there's loads of books on 
feminism and there's podcasts on it. But for me, she's really piqued my curiosity with the way she talks about it. And so she's captivated me. And so I think it's really saying, how are we doing things differently? How are we talking about things differently? And what's our angle on it? And what's our pers- brand personality? And how are we bringing these things together to create that curiosity? So somebody goes, I want to know more. Yeah, and I kind of call it, call it the rabbit hole where somebody might find you on LinkedIn or Instagram or something like that and then they end up clicking links and they're now on your website and they're now on your about page and they're now on your products and services and they're now going they're taking a look and somebody can fall down your rabbit hole for like an hour where all they're doing is reading, watching, consuming and it's because you've piqued their curiosity and now they're captivated by this ecosystem that you've built that really tells a story and introduces you, your philosophy, what you do and how you do it to them. Yeah, I love that. Love that. All right. So I know you've got a few different. Yeah, do you want we, me to like whiz through to, them? <laughs> keep going. And if I, okay. if I, I will interrupt you if I yeah, am like, awesome. <laughs> want to go off on a tangent. All good. Hey, I can talk till the cows come home. So you just, <laughs> you maybe just raise your hand or something and I'll stop talking. Um, no, all good. So that's the first thing. So curiosity, geez, can I get that word out today? And captivation. The second thing is really desire. So really building that desire. Um, that your audience have for you. And I think that Apple's a really great one, yeah, for desire. It's like who else lines up around the block for three days for a phone? It's a phone, people. But they have built that desire, which is like you've got to have this. This is going to be amazing. It's going to enhance your life and you're going to have all these new fangled things. And so I think it's really looking at what is it, Um, that your customers really desire. And I think this is where, uh, you know, things like surveys, conversations, just the work that you do on a day-to-day basis, understanding what are their hopes for themselves, their family, their future, their world? What is it that they really desire? And for anybody who watches Netflix, I'm a bit of a Lucifer fan. Don't tell my mother. Oh, my God, I love Lucifer. (laughs) Wait, we have to do a tangent now. Break away. (laughs) Did you watch all of season five in one go? (laughs) <laughs> no, because we're trying to pace ourselves because my husband's like, once it's done, it's done. Like there's no more. And so I'm like, well, just watch one episode. Yeah. So I binge like the first three seasons or four seasons or something. And now we're trying to, we've only got like three episodes or four episodes to go. And I'm like trying to like take small nibbles. So I'm going to do it. I couldn't do it. I binged it in like two sessions, the the final season. I'm totally <laughs> like you, yeah. But I think it's hilarious because it's like it's the whole thing of Lucifer. It's like, you know, what do you desire? And I think that we need to understand this more. And this is I was talking about this the other day where when we've got, say, a product or a service page, we kind of give this really lame, you know, brief, very not exciting piece of information on a sales page and we think that somebody's going to buy that. And I just think if you've got products and services that are over a couple of hundred dollars or a couple of thousand dollars, like sell it to me, give me something unique and amazing and build the desire in me that makes me go, 
I have to have this. And I think a lot of businesses are lazy when it comes to building desire, when it comes to their products and services. And I just think, you just think that this is so good that obviously they're going to want to buy it. But you, they may not know about it. They may not understand the ins and outs of it. And so I think that it's really important to not be lazy and really put effort into creating that desire when it comes to what you write, what you talk about, what you sell, how you, you know, how you articulate that, those sorts of things. So I think that's the second thing that I think is really important to think about. If you're not tapping into your customer's desire, which once again will drive that, you know, that decision-making that isn't always logical because remember, we buy products and services, we buy communities, transformations, extensions of our identity, and we will always buy an emotion and desire over logic. Well, and this is a really good point because like I on this show, we talk a lot about like B2B brand growth specifically, right? So if you're trying to, even if you're a B2C brand, you still have to brand yourself for other businesses to be aware of you, right? Like whether it's distributing your, you know, your product, whatever it is. So one of the things that I see happen a lot is it's like, as soon as it becomes like, oh, but we're selling to another business. Oh, but this is branding for another business. It's like, let's be super boring. <laughs> I know. I have to be honest with you. This has been really interesting. Like I mainly work with women in business. Yeah. But I do have corporates and executives that come to me and they say, we want to be bold and we don't know how to be. We want to be different and we don't know how to be. And I just think that there is so much space in the corporate world for people to be interesting. (laughs) Am I going to get in trouble for saying that? No. And I think that this is like almost telltale. It's like, oh, that looks very corporate. What, so what does that mean? It means yeah. it looks very boring. It looks boring. <laughs> you know, and so I just think there's a real opportunity for businesses to stand out. And I mean, even as I think about a couple of bigger organisations, that I think have stood out because they've either taken a stand on something or they've shared more about their people and their values and stuff like that. Like, I mean, I remember Medibank, this was like, I don't know, even a year or two ago coming out for the LGBT community um, and like all of their people on LinkedIn had the rainbow background and they were really being very uh, vocal about their stance on that. And I just thought business, there's so many businesses that just won't take a stand on anything. And they won't kind of embrace something and say, you know, something we are going to stand up for this or we're going to say that this is our values and we're going to like build a whole lot of content around it. And we're going to really go big on this and we're not going to be corporate. We're actually going to really break the mold. We're going to be bold. We're going to do things differently. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about is that I always think about look to the best in the industry outside of your industry. So, you know, I always, I'm really interested in what, um, you know, Tesla's doing and what Chanel's doing and what Apple's doing and what, you know, different businesses, big and small, are doing in the branding space because I think I'm a business coach, but I don't want to look at other business coaches or brand consultants. I want to look at other businesses that are absolutely killing it in their industry and go, what are they doing? And is there something that I can adopt that could really create something interesting and unique and build curiosity around me and what I do. And I think that's a really interesting place to come from. 
Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I don't want to keep interrupting you, but I probably will. <laughs> That's okay. That's I love it. You know, I could talk about this all day. All right, cool. So the first one is obviously curiosity and captivation. Second one is building desire. Number three is obviously quality, which I think kind of comes back to what we were talking about with Brene Brown. I think that there needs to be substance behind the swagger as well. Uh, and so we do want to, you know, we do want to be around people that we feel really resonate with us and who are really interesting and where we've got brand alignment but we also want to make sure that there is quality behind it and so I think you know even taking a look at where you um, position yourself in the market so you know are you the Chanel or the Kmart of your industry like where is it are you high on the quality and high on price or are you sort of medium on quality and low on price like where do you want to position yourself and I think really understanding what your customer the customer that you want wants when it comes to quality, I think is also really important as well, because once again, that really speaks to, once again, whether I decide to buy a $20,000 car or I buy a $100,000 car, that to me might be the quality and the ingenuity and the, um, you know, the innovation and things like that. Like, why does somebody buy a Tesla over a Holden or, you know, over a Mazda or whatever it is? And so I think really understanding what quality speaks to your audience is important too because they will make a decision not only on that desire and where they're curious and what captivates them but once they kind of get past that and they're digging a bit deeper they want to know that the quality is at the level that they want it to be as well so that's number three i'm just going to keep going lauren keep going. okay keep going. and then the fourth thing that i think a lot of people miss is language so for example obviously the words that we use are so important to who connects with us and how they feel. And so for me, bold, the word bold has been gold because not only do I use it, but I walk it and I talk it and I, and I live it. And so everything that I do, I really ask myself, is this bold enough? I have this little thing on a little postcard on next to my desk that says, think bigger. And it's like, if I, so I come up with an idea and I'm like, okay, cool what would I do if I was thinking bigger? If I was going to go a bit bolder with that, what would that look like? If it was going to be a bit more unique, what would that be? And so I think really thinking about the language that you use and understanding that you can decide, we were just talking about reputation before, you can decide what people say about you to a certain extent. Like if I have building confidently bold brands for savvy women in business on my socials, on my website, I talk about it every time I present, you know, on a podcast or on a video or whatever it is, and I use that every single day, you can bet your bottom dollar that when somebody says to somebody else, I really want to build a confident brand. Like, I feel like I'm just not stepping up. I don't feel really confident in what I'm doing, what I'm saying. I don't have a clear message. I get so many clients that come to me and say, I was saying this to somebody and they said, well, you have to speak to Suze Chadwick. Mm -hmm. And so it's really about having a message that is repetitive, that people really like it's embedded in their brain, that that's who you are, that's what you do, that's the result that you bring as well. And so language is so important. And I think, you know, I always tell my clients as well, the thesaurus will be your best friend, like building your lexicon of language and your isms, which are basically words that you use that are identified with you I think is something that once again is really worth doing. So it's like, you know, someone will say something like if it was like, um, if I joke around and say no soup for you, who said that? 
It's from Seinfeld from the Soup Nazi. (laughs) And if I and if I said, you know, be kind to one another or stay kind to one another, who's that? Well, I'm guessing you're going. What? Who is it? Sorry, Alan. Like Alan always signs off the Alan show with, you know, stay kind to one another or something like that. And so it's really thinking about what are what's the language? What are the things that you're always saying that makes somebody think of you? Yeah. And so you can create that lexicon of language that sits around your brand and your business. Um, And you can create your isms that you always say that, you know, that people will identify with every time they hear it as well. So I think that that's really important. And it's something that you can actively do uh, is to create emotive language that really builds that desire and connects with your audience. It's also like a subconscious thing, right? Like I was reading this thing about like from a neuroscience perspective, like you can predict whether people will um, be attracted to one another by the language they use. Vocabulary is actually a big part of that, right? Massive. So like we'll be like drawn to people who use the same um, who speak similar to us. So it's like, oh, they, and we don't even realize it's happening, but yeah. it's, it's, I just found that fascinating. Cause I was like, oh yeah. Like, if I think about all the people I've dated, I'm like, I can't think, I can't really think of anyone who wouldn't, maybe a few people, but most of them were like, we use similar words and we understood each other. If people spoke like too like highbrow, I'd be like, uh, and if they spoke like, you know, like more simply, almost like yeah. just not words I would use. I, I, it's, it's really, really interesting. I find language fascinating. And I think one of the challenges as well here is like, when you ask someone things like, what's your tone of voice? it's actually very hard to put like concreteness around that. Right. Cause it's like, well, what does that, what does that mean? But when you just get someone to talk, you can kind of pick it up. Do you find that? Yeah. And I also just think, you know, your tone of voice fits with your personality. So do you use slang? Do you use you are instead of your, do you have your own isms? So for example, I'll read somebody's caption on, uh, on Instagram and there are some people and brands that use very distinctive language. And then when I see somebody else use that same abbreviation or made up word or language, I think of somebody else. Cause I'm like, that's how they speak, which is really yeah. interesting. So yeah. I think that, you know, if you're really consistent with the language that you use and think about, you know, how you can use it for your own business on a consistent basis, I think that's really important, which leads us to the next thing is consistency. Yeah. So when it comes to these kind of sit together, so there's three things, there's language consistency and recall. And one of the, um, one of the telltale signs of a really strong brand is that they are the first one, two or three people that you recall when somebody asks for something. So if I was to say to you, um, I just need a really great laptop, who are the two brands that you're probably going to recommend to me? Oh, well, it would be Apple and it would be, oh, who would be the other one? No, just Apple. I'm okay. a loyal Apple fan. <laughs> yeah, okay. But the point is, is that that's a brand recall for you. So if somebody was to say to me, just because I was talking about Gourmet before, it's like I really want um, a really bright, colourful brand, like clothing brand. I'm like, well, you've either got um, Gorman, Mr. Zimmy or Variety Hour. Like those are the brand recalls in my mind. So when it comes to 
language. It's about really nailing the language that connects with your audience. How you build that is through consistency of using that language and making sure that you are showing up regularly, that you are using it everywhere, that you're building your brand awareness both with your war, your hot, your warm and your cold audiences um, and that they're seeing that repetition. And then by doing that, it creates a stronger brand recall, which means that you're the first person that I'll think about. Yeah. And so if you can build that brand recall where you're like the top one, two or three people that um, somebody thinks about when I say, well, what podcast should I be listening to? I need somebody to do social media training for our organization. I'm looking for a speaker coach. I want somebody to help me to build a bold brand. Like you want to be one of the top three people that they think of. And the way that you do that is through building that consistency and showing up regularly and having that repetition of language and message. Just want to give a quick shout out as well to Naomi Lambert. Hey, Naomi, thanks for your questions. You said, I may have missed it, but which three companies do you think have nailed their brand? And you have mentioned a few, but that's a good, like, pin it down to three. Can you pin it down to three? Well, once again, I think, Naomi, it depends on what kind of brand are you talking about? Talking about clothing? Are you talking about technology? So for me, you know, I am, like I was saying earlier, I am a big Gorman girl, and I think that they build desire, scarcity, um, consistency, consistency, those sorts of things. Visually, I want it, et cetera. They speak to me. Like you were saying, Lauren, Apple speaks to you. So I think that when it comes to brands that have really nailed it, any of the big brands that you know where they have built that desire and they are consistently showing up and you see them everywhere, that definitely makes a strong brand as well. But then there will be brands in certain niches where that you might frequent or play in that you kind of think, you know, something, their values and the way that they show up and the things that they do in the community, those sorts of things that might also stand out. So for example, obviously, thank you group around charity, doing good water, etc. They stand out in my mind. So I think it's just a hard question to answer because I think it just depends on what you're looking for and then the brand that I recall in that particular market. No, it's a good point. And Naomi said, I'd go with my brand theme, kindness, but you've already mentioned Ellen. (laughs) Good, I think that's so good. Yeah. And so I do think, you know, for me, I talk about confidently bold branding. uh, And so that's what I'm known for. It's what I try and embody in my visual brand, in my language, in my products and services, in everything that I do. And so I think it's really about you making a decision, what you want to be known for, and then how you embody that in all elements of your brand. We were just talking about brand personality and tone of voice. I mean, there's so many elements, you know, you've got your brand journey and you've got your brand experience, things like that. And I always say that, you know, you can have a really great product or service, but if the experience that I had when I bought from you was really bad, even though the product might be good, I'm probably not coming back. So you've really got to nail all of those elements to build a strong brand that really connects with your audience in multiple levels. Because like we said, I might logically buy that product because I need it, but emotionally you kind of scarred me by the by the experience <laughs> that you've given me. And so I'm not I'm gonna make a different decision next time because it didn't feel good. And I'm not gonna come back to something that doesn't feel good. So I think that's the other thing that's really important as well. 
We've got um, one other question and it's on the language thing. So I want to ask it before we keep going, which is from Hamish Anderson. Hey, Hamish, I hope you're doing well, by the way. We haven't spoken for a while. Um, so he said, where do you sit on using different, albeit consistent language for different subsets of your audience, i.e. people in different states aware, ready to buy repeat purchases? Yeah, I mean, I think that there should be a hierarchy of language as well. So for example, you should have your overarching message. I always sort of talk about the fact that your your brand message, I call it a neon sign, boring people call it a strap line. But um, I... <laughs> I always say if you had a neon sign flashing above your head that told your audience exactly what you do and who you do it for, what would that neon sign be? Mine is confidently bold branding. And then that's like the roof, yeah? And then you've obviously got your content pillars as well. And then you will have different language that speaks to your audience, whether they're in the unaware phase of buying or they're in the aware or they're the most aware. So from a copy perspective, you obviously want to be able to talk to people where you're not in a state of the curse of knowledge where you're using all of the acronyms and you're using all of the language that somebody who understands what that problem is about would understand. You've got to understand that there will be people who don't know anything about the problem that you solve, but all they know is that they're at a certain pain point. Yeah, so for me, somebody may not understand that they can actually build their business by having a much stronger brand, yeah, but they will understand that they're just not getting customers yeah. and that they're not like when somebody comes to them, it's bouncing because they're not building desire. It's not visibly, visibly des like desirable. They're not talking to me in a way that connects with me. And so that's all they know. They don't have the language yet. So I do think that it's important for you to have an overarching language and message, but I do think it's important to speak to people where they are as well. Yeah, thanks for the question, Hamish. That's a really, really good one, really important one. So, Suze, back to we've gone through four. Sorry, we're gonna have to like whiz through this. No, the no, no. Oh, good. So, I mean, number four, five, and six was language consistency and recall. So, I think those are things that kind of sit together and they play off each other. So, the last two are really number seven is extension of identity, which we kind of talked about at the very beginning. So, I don't need to go into too much of that, but I do want you to think about how your product or service or your business what it says about your customer. So if I buy from you, what does it say about me? If I buy a $20,000 car as opposed to a Mercedes, what does it say about me? Um, when somebody comes and works with me uh, and I talk about confidently bold branding, what does it say about them? To me, it says about them that they want to stand out. They want to do things differently. They're ready to kind of step up and get a little bit uncomfortable to make sure that their business and their brand does, does what they want it to do. And I always say as well, this is where you kind of, when it comes to an extension of identity, like claim your audience, say who you're for and who you're not for. And I think this is something that people don't do. I always say, if you are an action taker, if you want to be bold, if you want to break the mold, if you want to stand out, you want to get uncomfortable and do big things, come and let's talk. If you want to stay behind the scenes, you're kind of wanting to be a little bit quiet. You don't really want to show up too much. Then I'm not the person for you. It's not going to be a match. Yeah. And so I think that when it comes to extension of identity, name and claim your audience, but also name and claim the people that, or name and 
disclaim people that are not for you yeah? yeah and I think it just makes it a lot easier I think you attract more of the people that you want a lot quicker um and people who are like are you for me or not it's really clear for them and they're like yeah you're not for me and that's okay as well so I think that's number seven and then number eight which kind of goes back to what Marty Newmeyer says which is all about we don't buy products we buy communities transformations and extensions of our identity is really taking a look and seeing you know how are you building that community Community, that connection and creating something that is unique for your audience how are you bringing them together because remember you know people who love apple they're all the ones queuing around the corner for three days yeah there's a community of them yeah there's a certain type of person that loves apple and sometimes they're a little bit more fanatical obviously not talking about present company um, they're a little bit more fanatical than other people might be and so i think it's really saying how can i bring my community together because we're like-minded, we want the same things, we talk about the same things, we want to learn the same things. And so I think that that's something else to really think about as well, how you build that additional community and connection. Because as they say, people might come for the content, but they stay for the community. And that's very much a psychological thing of us wanting to be part of something bigger than ourselves too. So those are my eight things, Lauren. You powered through the last year. I was like, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. By the way, Hamish said, totally agree, always about solving pain points. And I, I thought that was such a good um, point for you to bring up, Suze, because like what I'm seeing a lot of is, you know how everyone's doing the like, I help these people solve this problem by doing this thing. Like that's like the new formula because like a few coaches said, you should do this. Now everyone does that, right? And it's sort of like, I mean, it's, it's not short enough to really be a neon sign. But the other thing is, is it's like the core problem you solve might not a lot of people aren't even aware of what their core problem is right yeah. like like you said before like if you go oh well um I can see that what you really need is like a good brand strategy but for the client they might be like no I need sales like what do you mean like I just need a salesperson yeah. to solve this problem for me you know yeah <laughs> like yeah and I think that's the thing is that you know something like where and I it took me a little while to get there it's not like I woke up one day and went oh that's my neon sign. Um, it really came from listening. Like I used to have people that came to me all the time and just, and used to say, I just want to be bold like you. Like, I just want to show up confidently. I want to have a brand that like, you know, whenever I look at your brand, it makes me feel a certain way. And I want my brand to do that for my customers. And so it was only through those things that customers used to say to me, that and clients used to say to me that I was like, the problem I solve is that I help you build a confidently bold brand that you're proud to put out there, that you're clear on the messaging, that you want to shout about from the rooftops, that you feel is really unique and different. And so that's where my neon sign came from. And I think that that's what we need to do more of is tap into that desire of our customer. What is it that they want? Why are they coming to you instead of somebody else? And how can you package that in a way that packs a punch? And that's what a neon sign should really do. Love it. Love it. I want to keep asking you more questions, but we're going to have to wrap up because we've got a little bit over time. Uh, thanks, Peter. Peter Strokov said, great to see you on the air, Lauren. Thanks for saying hello. We're just about to finish, but it's always nice to see a few comments coming at the last second. Um, so thank you, Peter. Suze, thank you so much. If people want to find out more about you, if they want to build the kind of brand that you have, I mean, like I'm looking at you, I'm like, yeah, I need that. <laughs> <laughs> so how do people find out uh, more about you and, and what and what you do? 
Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at suzechadwick.com and I'm on all socials at suzechadwick and you can see the spelling obviously below me just there. Uh, and so, yeah. And so, yeah. So obviously you can come and say, hi, I do hang out mostly on Instagram, I have to say. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's where you can find me and come and say hello. I'm always up for a chat. Awesome. Well, Suze, thanks so much again. Thanks everyone for tuning in and for your um, questions. Anastasia said, lovely to listen to both of you. Thank you, Anastasia, as well. And uh, if you're watching this on replay, don't forget to leave your comments here as well because Suze can always come back and answer them for you later. So thanks everyone again. um, And I'll be back tomorrow. Suze, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Bye, everyone. So that's it from me for today. Let me know what you thought of the show at laurencress 89 on Twitter. Use the hashtag grow your brand. Would love to hear from you. As always, you can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. Just look up Lauren Cress or you can head over to my website, laurencress.com. Always love hearing from people who listen to the show. You are my VIPs. You are the reason that I get up to do this stuff. So it's always great to hear from you and, and get to know what you think of the content, get to know what you do what you're about, what you're passionate about. I love meeting people. That's kind of, that's the main reason I'm in business is because I get to meet awesome people. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'll be back on Friday with my live stream. Remember, I'm now live streaming on the Friday. So if you want to come and watch it live, I'm doing it at 11 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Or uh, I'll post it up later that day if you prefer to listen on this podcast. All right. Until next time, remember that sharing your talents with the world will make it a better place. Offer deadline on Oak Street, mile three. Welcome to the housing market. I'm with Redfin and I'm here to help. I need to sell my house. Great. Redfin charges a 1% listing fee when you buy and sell with us, which is more than half off the usual fee and saves you an average of $8,400. Oh, wow. Is that all? Uh, yep. I'm kidding. You had me at 1%. Want to win? Sell with Redfin. It's real estate done right. Bidding war at the offers counter in five minutes. Average savings is Redfin refund plus 1% listing fee. Subject to minimums. Not available in all areas. Learn more at redfin.com.